7.04, second time this week, Mondays at 7, and now Wednesday at 7 as well. The Employment Hour, as you know, here ready to take all of your phone calls and questions about severance. You got an offer in front of you. You've been let go, wrongfully dismissed. You don't know the difference or the definition. Maybe the dollar sign doesn't look right in that offer. Pretty much it won't be. I can guarantee you that much. We'll get to the bottom of that throughout the hour. And questions for the or 416-870-6400, star 640. On sale, we'll get to the week that was and the uh, severance pay calculator, which is an excellent tool, been around for a, a few years now, and hundreds of thousands of people literally have used that, so we'll get to that. First, so as promised, the, uh, the week that was, my friend. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you very much. Always a great pleasure to be here back on, on our Wednesday show and uh, taking qu- uh, questions, calls. You know, you're driving right now in your car. Maybe you're uh, thinking about the Raptors. I know I am. Mm. But uh, you may have other thoughts in your mind. Maybe something's going on in the workplace. Your boss is doing something. Or maybe you had a bad experience. You want to know if it's right. You want to know what's your, what your rights are. Well, we're here at 8, 8 o'clock tonight. Give us a call. We'll, we can talk about it. We can try to solve your problems. And, uh, you know, we, we're, it's important. You, people need to be educated. There's a lot of misconceptions out there when it comes to employment law, workplace rights. And we're here to tell you the, the real truth, the way it is. Not the way I say it, but the way the law says it. So let's uh, start off with a couple of situations. The first uh, situation I'll tell you about that involved uh, a lady that worked for a very, very small operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just her and the owner of the company. And as they got busier, uh, this lady had to work more and more hours, and she'd work a lot of extra overtime hours. And she kept telling her boss, you have to pay me for these overtime hours. You know, I'm working you know, 45, 50, even 60 hours a week sometimes. You have to pay me. The boss said, no, I don't have to pay. I don't want to pay. I can't afford to pay. A million and one excuses. And eventually, you know, after a while, when these extra hours got to be so extreme and so regular, the lady told her boss, well, if you're not going to pay me, I'm going to have to speak with the, uh, with the labor board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the, the boss said, okay, let me think about it. Two days later, she terminates the, the lady's employment hmm. and says, oh, it's just for business reasons. Here's your two weeks pay. Uh, and, and she's very upset, of course. Here's our show and calls me. Uh, so what do I tell her? Well, I tell her this. Number one, of course you're owed overtime. If you work more than 44 hours a week, even if you're salaried, you get overtime. So she owes you overtime, and you could potentially go back two years to recover this, number one. Uh, Number two, the fact that you were let go because, obviously, because you were asking for overtime, that's illegal. What we call that a reprisal. The fact that you were punished uh, by letting you go because all you wanted is what the law says you should have, that's wrong, that's illegal, so that's a reprisal. Now, that's two. Number three is you've worked there for about four years. Uh, two weeks pay is a lot less than what you're owed. You're probably owed six months severance, not two weeks. So we have issues of uh, overtime, reprisal, and wrongful dismissal. Uh, this employer, very small, unsophisticated employer, did everything wrong, should have gotten some advice before it did that. So it's a, it's an important lesson there for our uh, listeners. You cannot be penalized for seeking your legal entitlements if you do get penalized, that's illegal, and there's recourse. Nice little trifecta right there by that employer. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know if they, they, they could have done a fourth thing wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's that bad. So so hopefully we can get this resolved quickly and get her the compensation that she's owed. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Eric, opening call tonight. Hey, Eric, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Uh, just got a quick question about maternity leave and then when you come back from maternity leave and vacation. Um, because the labor board's giving me different answers. They're saying if my wife comes back from mat leave, all the vacation she would have accumulated, so 
if she was working, she would have had three weeks vacation. She comes back from mat leave. She can now take those three weeks vacation. Is I, I find that weird. Is that true or? No, it's not true uh, because you, you accumulate that based on hours worked. So if you're, you're not actually working, that you don't accumulate vacation, vacation pay. So, so no, I mean, if she has vacation outstanding from when before she went on mat leave, she can certainly take it and use it, but she doesn't actually earn vacation while she's on, on, on a maternity leave. So no, she wouldn't be able to, to take that vacation. I mean, listen, if, if her employer is, is allowing her to do it, but great. That's mm-hmm. not a problem. But she doesn't actually earn vacation pay while she's on mat leave because she's not earning any income. Vacation pay is a function of income. It's a percentage of income, 4%, 5%, 6%. Uh, so no, you don't get that uh, when you don't have income because you're on mat leave. Now, that if, if you were at three weeks vacation before, your employer can't reduce you to two weeks, for example. They can't penalize you, but you don't actually earn vacation while you're on mat leave. You could try taking your vacation before the mat leave. I think so. a lot of people do that, but that's probably your only sure. option, right? Yeah, Yeah, and, and if on the day you went on mat leave, you had, I don't know, 10 days of unused vacation time, right. you don't lose that, right? So that doesn't go anywhere. But if you didn't have any outstanding vacation, while you're on mat leave, you don't actually accrue vacation. You only start accruing it once you're back at work. Take a quick break. Your phone calls again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. We'll get to the severance pay calculator as soon as we come back and uh, maybe drop in the odd email, that is help at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on your Wednesday evening. Talk radio, AM 640. 713 Employment Hour, 416-870-6400, star 640. On cell is the uh, number you want to call to get through tonight. Got uh, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. No worries. Go ahead. Um, so, a bit of a touchy, sensitive situation. Um, there's an employee that was uh, working for a municipal government entity, a public works department, and uh, naturally they were part of a collective agreement, uh, a QP local specifically, and uh, what happened was this employee reported various health and safety related deficiencies and problems, um, documented it via email and submitted it to management. And literally within three days of submitting these health and safety uh, deficiencies and problems, uh, the employee was terminated under section whatever it was, stating that under you know within three months probation somebody can be uh, terminated without cause. So I'm just wondering, number one, can case law trump a, a collective agreement, specifically the uh, case law, Mrs. C A O Cal, I believe her name was, and secondly. Um, if it's a health and safety related issue and an employee gets terminated within a probationary period, is that justified? Well, the, the thing is this, if, you, if it's a collective agreement, she is bound or this person is bound by the terms of the collective agreement. And beyond that, uh, it's the union and only the union that could help her, represent her, advise her or, or really do anything about it. Now, if, in fact, she was not let because she didn't meet the probationary term, but for other reasons, that's something the union could grieve, but that's up to the union, not really up to her. Uh, and, and if the union decides it, it shouldn't do it, or if the union decides that there's no point in doing it, the union won't do it, and there's zero other recourse that's available to this employee. There's no exceptions to this uh, at all. So she's, in, in a way, fully uh, tied to the union and what the union wants to do. There's really no, no other recourse here, Daniel. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Tracy, good evening. Hi, how are you? Excellent. What's going on? Okay, so a friend of mine, we share an employer. We both work for the same place. It's a really large company. Um, 
She was off work because she had a shoulder injury, and as she's a forklift operator, so it makes obviously a shoulder injury makes her job really difficult. Um, our short-term disability denied her claim, and then our employer is trying to give her a suspension because the week that she was off work would put her over her 10-day emergency leave limit, which means she gets a suspension. Now, is she part of a union? Yeah, we are a union. Okay, then then you have to speak with the union about it. The only one, as I was telling uh, Daniel, our previous caller, the only one that's able to, to represent or even advise in this situation is the union because it all comes down to the terms of the collective agreement. Only the union can help her. There's nothing that can be done outside of it. So she should definitely speak with her union. That abs- okay. absolutely does not sound right, Tracy, but I can't actually, say um, more than that. There, there's actually several even more layers because we did speak to the union the union said there's, a, there's nothing they can do because the employer is saying that um, she doesn't have enough information in her doctor's note. Now, I said she, the employer doesn't have, enough, doesn't have a right to know what her injury is or whatever because she's not asking to be paid. She doesn't even want to be paid. She just doesn't want to be disciplined. On top of that, there's been harassment going on, and the union says there's nothing that they can do because the employer has a right to a detailed doctor's note. Well, the problem is that you know the union decides this. And when when you're a unionized employee, you live and die by the union. So whatever your legal rights would otherwise be, you know, take them and and, and get rid of them in a sense, because the union then decides if they're going to pursue it or not. So it sounds like the union is wrong, but you can't get around it. You can't make the union deal with the problem, even if the union should be dealing with some uh, something and they don't want to. You're still stuck with it. That is the big problem with being unionized. You can't deal with your own problems. You're in someone else's hands. So unfortunately, myself or anyone cannot help a unionized employee, and, and literally there's no exceptions. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And uh, we'll get to this, our topic for uh, tonight as we get through that. And some phone calls, we got open lines, so if you want to call, you can do so uh, right now. Things that your employer won't tell you about workplace rights, but Lior will. First one, how about this? Well, we've already covered the union one. Let me just scratch that right off of there. Okay, we can't do it with unions. Uh, you don't have to sign an employment agreement if you are, have, uh, for you, at least you're already employed. How about that one? Yeah, so let's talk about that. A couple of things now that, that you know you really need to know about your workplace rights, but your employer is not going to tell you these things. But you know what? I will. So the first one, as you've just described, John, if you're already working, you're employed, your employer comes to you and says, I want you to sign a new agreement, a new employment agreement. Maybe it's the first one. Maybe you never signed one before. Maybe you have, and they just want you to sign another one. Well, you don't have to. In fact, there's many good reasons not to. So uh, an employer is never going to ask you to sign an employment agreement when you're already employed because that agreement is good for you, for the employee. They're only going to ask you to sign an employment agreement when you're already employed because that document is good for the employer. There are going to be terms in that document that are not going to be favorable to you, the employee. So you do not want to sign it. You cannot be penalized, punished, fired for cause for not. So many times I've seen people uh, feeling the pressure, the, the duress, when an employer comes to them and says, I want you to sign a new agreement, and they sign it, not even knowing what they're signing, And maybe one of the things that they are agreeing to in that agreement, that in the future employer, if you let me go, you're you're only going to have to pay me a fraction of my full severance. So you may be let go then a year later and realizing that because you signed that agreement uh, a year ago, you now lost on $60,000 in severance that you would have been owed. 
Do not sign an employment agreement once you're already working, certainly not without calling me. Let me take a look at it and tell you whether there's something in that agreement that you should be worried about. If you do sign it, what are the, uh, what's the, the formatics for that? Do they have to give you something, or is it, even, is it worth the papers written on if they don't give you something? So first of all, we never want to sign an agreement that we're not prepared to, to live by. Right. But to make it enforceable, from an, if I'm putting my employer advisor hat on and I'm advising an employer, if you already have an employee that's working for you and you want them to sign an employment agreement, you have to give them something in return for signing to make that enforceable. A signing bonus, a pay increase, extra vacation, whatever it is, something that they wouldn't otherwise have a right to get. If you don't do that, you just tell them to sign and they sign, it's not going to be enforceable. So keep that in mind. Also, employees, if you did sign an agreement after you started working and you never received anything in return, it may not be enforceable. Mm-hmm. So the bad terms in that document may actually not apply to you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Got lines open. You want to give us a call? We'll take uh, your phone calls after the break, and we'll continue with our chat about things your employer won't tell you about workplace rights, but Lior will. So hang on for that. 725 and the number 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale right to the phones. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, Yehuda in Toronto. Yes. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. What's happening? Thanks for for taking my call. No worries. Um, I wanted to know, I'm uh, I'm in a position where I'm resigning from my company, and uh, I wanted to know if I'm entitled to an ROE. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And if I'm then entitled to EI as well, I've been paying as an employee even though I'm on the board. Uh, why are you resigning, Yuda? Uh, part of a shotgun clause with uh, with the um, ter- with um, part of the shareholders' agreement. Got it. So in a situation like that, no, because you're resigning, you you are entitled to an ROE, but but that ROE is is of no real value to you because you really don't qualify for EI in that situation. That's a decision you've made pursuant to an agreement to, to leave, which is absolutely fine, but uh, no, you don't, get, uh, you, you don't get EI, so uh, the ROE won't help you. Uh, and you know, if, if it was a situation where you're resigning because something's happened and that gives you no choice, maybe they mistreated you, they changed the terms of employment, then you can resign and still apply and get EI. In your situation, Yuda, that would not apply. Now, even though my position with the company changed, and that's why it was that's why the shotgun clause was was uh, was done. Well, do you have the opportunity to to stay if you want? So you, uh, you're no, choosing to, to take to advantage of the shotgun clause, to stay right? As, uh, as chef of the company. So, so is it? Uh, are you choosing to 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 leave, or is there another uh, opportunity to stay in a different position? No, they're not. They're not letting me stay at all. Okay, well, that, then that's different. In the eyes of the law, that actually may be a termination. And if it's a termination, well, then yeah, yes, but you can also get severance. How long have you worked there, Yuda? Four and a half years. So you could be easily looking at six months' pay. So okay. th- there's, th- then we need to discuss this. There's, there's more. I want to actually see that agreement that you've talked about, the shareholders agreement, uh, and yeah. I understand better your situation. But if this is a situation where you don't have any choice in the matter, it's not your decision, you can't do anything about it, that's a termination in the eyes of the law. You get EI. And you get severance. So uh, a lot to talk about. You know, I really would like to connect with you off air so we can have a, a bit of a more in-depth discussion. Perfect. I'll give your office a call tomorrow. Thank you, Yuda. That number, one 821 by the way. We'll get to uh, James. Good evening, James. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, your... The question I have is I work for a company. I'm still there. I've been there about four years. Um, I had to do some time through a temp agency for a while. And one of the conditions of when I get hired was that I had to sign an employment agreement. 
Um, so we had some negotiations back and forth over salary and et cetera. But I'm just wondering um, if I had previously worked there, because I was under the impression, I think, of maybe beforehand, if time is served through a temp agency, um, do I, was that employment agency, like that agreement still um, valued? Like you're just saying, if you worked at a company beforehand and then signed an agreement afterwards, it wouldn't be valid. So, so help me understand. So you work for a temp through a temp agency and eventually were hired on directly by the company. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it was some negotiating back and forth, and then he finally hired. But before it could actually start, I had to sign the employment agreement, and it limited so, my my rights of of like anything that I brought to the company, anything. And that, and that agreement was. With the temp agency? No, this is with the new company. I see, I see. So, so I when, when you... I've been there about almost a year, right? And, then and nothing I'll, changed? When you signed the agreement, your compensation, your job, nothing changed? No, my, my compensation changed. Okay. Um, my, my duties vary from time to time. Now my duties are different than what they were when I was first hired. So, so James, if once you sign the agreement, that your compensation changed. I, I mean, assuming it changed favorably, then yeah. it is enforceable because what you you got is you got this extra money, this extra pay in return for signing that agreement. So, so that would make the agreement enforceable. Now, what the effect is of that agreement, what it actually says, and whether it, it would legally have the power of impacting you in the future, I would actually need to see that agreement. But it would otherwise be enforceable if you received the pay raise. If they simply said, sign here, nothing changed, uh, your compensation was the same, etc., then no, it would, probably wouldn't be worth the paper it's written on. But from what you're saying, uh, compensation changed, therefore likely enforceable. Yeah, same thing. So even if I signed it under duress, it's like either sign it or you're not working type of thing. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's not legal duress because a company can let you go if they want as long as they pay severance. So that wouldn't be duress in that sense. Uh, I understand what, why you would feel, feel that, of course. So it's a question of whether or not you got something in return. And if you did, then it is enforceable. But I still would want to see that agreement, James, to tell you whether you should be worried about it, what it actually says and means. So call me off air. Let's connect. Send me a copy of that agreement. And let me tell you exactly what, uh, what it says. James, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. I'll get to uh, one more quick call here before we take a little break. Uh, Jerry, good evening. Hi, how you guys doing? Good. What's your concern? So I work for a very large company, or I'll just leave it at that company. And when I when I got hired, I got hired on as a uh, part time employee. Um, and uh, the terms of my the agreement was that I just give them whatever my availability is, and they give me as many hours as they can. So when I started working there, I was getting full-time hours as a part-time employee, and it was great. But then I think like a few or four, like, like this is a few months after, they came to us with a new employment agreement, and in that agreement, there was some more terms, basically uh, limiting the freedom that we had with regards to our scheduling. So, and we never received anything in return for signing the new agreement, and I was still in probationary period, so I felt pressure to sign the new agreement. Otherwise, I lose my job. So, with you know, with what you said before, is this something that you know it's, it's about? It's about three years later now. Is this something that I should revisit and dispute the fact that we have to sign this new employment agreement and we didn't get anything for it? Well, you you may absolutely be able to do that, uh, Jerry. No question. Uh, if nothing has changed for you once you sign that agreement. 
then that agreement may not be enforceable. Now, the thing is, if you've, you and the company have acted based on that agreement and you've scheduled your hours based on that agreement, there could be an, a term of employment that's been created by your conduct. But I would want to, again, see that agreement, and, and I could tell you at that point what's in that agreement that you may be able to dispute. There could be other things in that agreement that you may not even realize, Jerry, that, that are problematic for you or, or could be problematic in the future. But the, the short answer is yes, that agreement is, is not legally binding if, uh, if you didn't receive anything in return. But I, I don't want you necessarily to go to your company now and, and, and approach them on this, at least not until I've seen that document so I can, I can advise you specifically about it. Uh, but uh, I would ask you to connect with me off air, send me that agreement. I can review it very, very quickly, and we can talk about it uh, specifically. Jerry, that number, one 821 5900 For everyone else, we'll take a quick break. You want to call through? We've got some open lines. We'll get to your phone calls. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming right up here. 736, the Employment Hour. Yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. It's the number to call to get through to Lior and ask your questions right up till 8 o'clock tonight. Got to Pedro on the line. Hi, Pedro. Thanks for hanging in. What's your concern? Uh, hello, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Good, pal. Um, so my question is, um, like, I'm not part of a union, but it just sparked a question in my mind just listening to these, uh, these uh, uh, employees who do belong to unionized environments. So I was wondering if they feel or if the union is not representing them well, would they be able to take legal action against the union? So when a union is not doing what it's supposed to and representing the person properly, the only thing you could do is file a complaint against the union with the labor board. Now, it's called a duty of fair representation complaint, a duty of fair representation. The problem here is that those are rarely successful. It's, you know, maybe one in a thousand. And what the result would be if you are successful is that the board would order the union to do a better job, essentially, to represent the person properly. Uh, I, I don't usually recommend that because it's rarely successful, but that is the, the recourse that is available, Pedro. Ah, uh, okay. All right, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks, Pedro. Got uh, Mike in the line. Hi, Mike. Good evening. Hi, guys. What's going on? Uh, quick question for you guys. Uh, I had a, a compensation agreement that I signed when I joined a company four, 14 years ago. And <clears throat> within six or seven months of joining it, they arbitrarily changed my compensation. So it's, I'm, a, I'm a, commission, a commissioned employee. And I complained about it, but no one ever did anything about it. And then in 2014, I actually asked HR to send me my compensation agreement. And what they sent back was my original agreement with my original compensation in it. Do I have any recourse to go back and collect the money that's owed to me? Unfortunately, uh, not, uh, Mike, because here's what happened. They did not have a right to change your compensation. Let, let's be very clear on that. They could not legally do that, except what happened is that, I know you weren't happy about it, but you, you allowed that, right? You accepted it, you know, grudgingly, uh, but you accepted uh, that change. And what happened over the years is that that now becomes a term of employment. Uh, they, they reduced it, you accepted, continued working. At the time, you could have potentially left, left with compensation, etc. That would have been a constructive dismissal. But because you accepted it, and certainly how many years that it's been since then, there's no recourse now. You can't say, well, you know, eight years ago, whatever it was, you reduced my pay, so that's wrong, now you owe me money. Uh, you would have had maybe a window of a couple of months tops to do that. Uh, so unfortunately, there's no, no going back there. Uh, okay, great, thanks. Appreciate Thank it, you. Mike. Uh, Rick, good evening. How are you? 
I'm doing good. Thanks. So excellent. What uh, you got a concern? A question? Go ahead. Yeah, the company I work for—it's a smallish company, it's about 30 employees at two different locations. About three months ago, they came out with an employment agreement, which I signed, uh, and there was no compensation. And, and already since then, when I asked about something, I was told it wasn't—we couldn't do it because I'd signed this agreement uh, a couple of weeks before that. Um, now there was no compensation. If they come at me with a, an offer of compensation for it now, my best just to say no thanks. Yeah, you you are, and and you're exactly the example I was talking about when when we discussed this topic. I haven't seen this agreement. Obviously, you and I have never spoken before, but I can tell you without seeing this agreement that there's at least a half a dozen things there that are going to be unfavorable to you. Like I said, there's okay. no other reason why your employer is going to come to you out of the blue and say, hey, we want you to sign this agreement. They're not going to do that to say, hey, sign this agreement. That's going to be a better deal for you. It's not going to happen, right? So uh, if you didn't receive anything in return, no pay increase, no extra signing bonus, nothing, that it's not enforceable and there's going to be terms there that they can't hold you to. So uh, you're better not rocking the boat in that sense. Uh, I'm happy to take a look at it and tell you specifically what's in that agreement that concerns me. But for now, I kind of let let sleeping dogs lie, if you know what I mean. Well, I'm not going to bring it up. And I know there's some of the work that haven't signed it. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't have a problem. It's just that it's good to know for the future. Yeah. It is, and the rules would be this. Anytime that an employer wants you to sign an agreement, you need to understand exactly what you're signing, and if you're not sure what it says, what it means, guess what? I can tell you. Give me a call. You send me that document. We discuss it, but never, ever sign an employment agreement without getting that advice. An employment agreement, John, is such an important Mm -hmm. document. It's extremely important. Uh, It can be with you for a very long time, even after you, you, you stop working for the company, so you don't just sign it without getting advice. You want that advice? It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or help at employmenthour dot com through email. We'll take a quick break. Some more phone calls coming up after that break. Want to send us those four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale seven forty five Wednesday night. We got some open lines. You want to give us a call? We'd love to hear from you. Get your uh, concerns and questions on the air. I think Leor and, and you know Space made this uh, observance at all the union calls tonight. The Philadelphia Union are here playing the TFC tonight, so maybe that's got some weird <laughs> maybe thing going on. We got uh, we got Chris on line. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hi. Good. Thanks. Go ahead. <clears throat> so uh, sorry to carry out with the union theme here a little bit, but uh, <laughs> my my wife works in the healthcare field, has over twenty five years experience, uh, and has never had any sort of performance related issues at all. Uh, and then uh, somebody in her u- unit recently raised a uh, concern about my wife and sort of accused her of, of harassment. Uh, and uh, so an investigation informal, as they put it, took place. They came back to her in a couple of weeks. It all happened behind the scenes. She wasn't involved, wasn't asked to be- bring witnesses or anything to defend herself. They come back and say, we found no evidence of harassment, uh, but we do encourage you to sort of uh, communicate differently and adhere to our code of conduct. <clears throat> and we're going to stick a letter in your file, and we'll tell you in a year sort of how it all played out hmm. and whether or not we're satisfied. And if it doesn't, we can take other steps and actions to protect the organization. And I just feel the whole thing was arbitrary and untransparent. And I feel my wife has put herself in a very vulnerable spot because it sounds like at the end of the year they can just say, yes or no, we're happy with how this played out, and, and here are the repercussions. And I just wanted Lior's thoughts on that. Well, thank you, Chris. First of all, you know, an investigation like that, as you've described, is frankly a joke. You can't investigate someone's conduct without speaking to the person, 
right? It, it, it's impossible. I mean, it, right. it's one thing to talk about other people and get their perspective, but you absolutely have to involve the person where, uh, where, where that you're investigating, get their thoughts, perspective, information, and evidence. So if she wasn't involved, I mean, I, I can't describe the investigation as anything but a joke. Now, that aside, it, it's possible that what they've found, assuming it was legitimate, is not harassment, but other you know breaches of policies that are not harassment. I, I don't know what those would be, but it's possible that they could have found that your wife did something wrong, just not harassment, not necessarily what they were specifically investigating. Right. So uh, in, in that regard, if there are breaches of policies, it's not inappropriate to put something in the file to outline the expectations and, and you know set a time period to see improvement. Now, I have no idea if that's what they found or if it's completely arbitrary or if they made it up, So, which is why I think uh, your wife has to speak with her union uh, right. and, and have the union do its job, which is to represent her uh, and get information and, and raise some hell, if you know what I mean, because I... Yeah. I, I it's certainly not the way this should be, right? Yeah. So I, I, you know, and it's funny. Somebody mentioned the unions earlier, and what if they don't take action? So someone sat beside her in one meeting, said nothing, and just encouraged my wife to sort of be quiet, listen, and and take notes and go away. Uh, so there really hasn't been any support, and you know, and so you feel vulnerable in terms of what's my, how far do I push here? Or do I just let this play out and hope for the best? And I'm saying you got a 25 plus year career here that. Unfortunately, you may be you may be sort of jeopardizing by taking no action. The thing, Chris, is in terms of pushing, the only one she can push is her union. She cannot push her employer, and that's the frustrating thing about being part of a union. Your employer does something to you; you can't deal with your employer. You have to have the union do it. So, because because she's in a unionized environment, as I said earlier on the show. You kind of live and die by the union. So, yes, she should push, but she has to push her union to do its job rather than the employer. She's not going to get anywhere with the employer. And if the union refuses to do something, as I was saying earlier on the show, there's probably not much she could do. Despite that, you know, I agree with you that this is a wrong situation. The union is the only one that has the power, the authority to deal with the employer. If she was a non-unionized uh, employee, Chris, we'd be having a very different discussion. There'd be uh, half a dozen things that we could do tomorrow to deal with this. But in a unionized environment, very, very different. If we got more calls coming through, you got about uh, 10 minutes or so, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell barring. That will get back into our conversation of things your employer won't tell you about workplace rights. But Lior will. It's all coming up on the Employment Hour as we continue right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. Yeah, 753, a few minutes to go here to take your phone calls. First, I want to mention this. You got something coming up uh, with Reddit, as in the, uh, the website right. Reddit. Yep. The, the Reddit, yeah. So, reddit.com, this Friday, we're going to do a session there. Uh, I'll be answering questions uh, from uh, everywhere about employment law, workplace rights. Starting at 10 o'clock, go to reddit.com, join me, ask your questions. Uh, let's, uh, let's inform people. Reddit.com, Friday at 10. Got uh, Steve. Hey, Steve, how are you, pal? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Excellent. You got a question? Go ahead. Yeah. I've got, um, basically, my short-term disability has run out, and uh, my employer doesn't want to continue with long-term disability. They say I don't meet the criteria, which is you have to be fully disabled. I have three doctors, my surgeon, my doctor, and uh, another GP that all say that I'm fully disabled until surgery corrects my problem, but my employer refuses to pay. Well, is it your employer or is it the insurance company? It's the insurance company. They sent me a letter with a refusal to pay. 
Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a very, very common situation. Uh, an insurance company cuts you off despite the doctor saying you can't work. That's nonsense. And the reason they do this, Stephen, is because nine out of 10 people are not going to fight this or think any different. So they can't do that legally. You have a policy there that you're enrolled in that requires them to pay you. Give me a call. My partner, Sivan Tamarkin, deals with these issues almost exclusively. He's one of the best in this province, and, and we can easily help you with this. Uh, these matters, thankfully, can resolve fairly quickly. So, Stephen, give me a call. They can't just cut you off if your doctor says you cannot work. I'm just lucky to be in the area listening to your show. My wife's driving right now, and I happen to be passing through. And, hmm. uh, you know, like uh, I, I haven't received a check or money in three and a half months. I've been fighting with an ombudsman and going nowhere. Yeah, and, and exactly. I was going to say they took the words out of my mouth. You're not going to get anywhere, unfortunately, because they, they believe and they, they count on nine out of ten times you're going to go away, and most people would. So don't let that happen to you. You're owed what you're owed. Give me a call off here. John, give, give him the number, mm-hmm. and, and we should connect as soon as possible. Yeah, Steve, that number, one 821 5900 Again, one 821 5900 Got uh, Abrar here. Hi. Hey, how are you? What is happening? What's going on with you? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. First-time caller, and I actually just had a quick question for Lior. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had all this union speak for a while now, and my, my question is, um, is there a pro and a con to the union not being uh, uh, basically putting into the collective agreement that uh, the union's the only one that represents you and you can't get a lawyer? I mean, are there any collective agreements where you're able to get somebody like you to help you out? Uh, no, never. And it's not even a function of the collective agreement. It's a function of the Labor Relations Act, or the statute that says the union is the only one that, that can uh, represent the employee. Uh, it, it's, it's, there's never any exception to that. Even if the union says, go hire a lawyer, you still can't. It, you know, it's, it's simply not something that you can do. Uh, and it, you know, like I said, you're a unionized employee. You live with the union. You die with the union. The union's the only one that has the authority to help. And the law is clear. The courts have made it very, very clear. Uh, and uh, you're, you're stuck in that process. Okay. I'm actually not a union employee, but I was just, it was just something mm-hmm. I was wondering. So appreciate it. Sure, no pal. Problem. You Thank bet. You. Get to uh, one more here. Got to, uh, hey, Mark, how are you? Hello. Hey. Hi, Mark. Hello. I've turned my radio down. All right. Good. You got, uh, you got, you got me hands free or what? Please. Uh, I got my hands free. Beautiful. Go ahead. Lior's there. Okay. My daughter has worked on and off for Canadian Tire since she was 16. Her whole life, she's 37 now. She's got an executive position that was very good, 75000 bucks a year. And yesterday she got fired because her boss and her don't get along. Anyway, long story short, they've given her severance of 12 weeks and a letter to say... If you sign this letter that says you won't take any more legal action against us, mm-hmm. we'll give you more severance. How much and more? I'm, I'm, I'm saying to myself, this sounds fishy. Mark, how much more severance are they offering if she signs? Sorry, they offered her three weeks severance, but if she signs the letter, 12 weeks. So, and she's been there, what, sorry, 20 years, did I hear you right? No, she's been an executive with them for the last four years. But, she's but how long total? 20? She's been on and off with Canadian Tire for over 20 years. 
Okay, so you know, because we're running out of time, I, I, I'll encourage you to call me because I want to know what on and off is. How long has she worked there continuously? What the gaps were? Because if she's a twenty-year employee, she could be owed eighteen, twenty months compensation. Months, Mark, not yeah, weeks. Yeah, but this last, this last uh, deal, this last job she's had with them has been for four solid, four solid years, and this is what they're basing it on. Hmm. They're holding her hostage. I told her don't sign the letter. Mm-mm. Why no, she cannot to... sign the letter, Mark. Why, why she needs to call me to... tomorrow morning. I, I, I'll be okay. able to help her. And I'm sorry I'm rushing you just because we're out of time here. But okay. I want to speak to her. She should not sign anything. Uh, she should be owed a lot more. I can tell you that right off the bat. So I, I'm looking forward to speaking to her uh, tomorrow, hopefully. Mark, that number one more time, one 821 5900 Do not sign anything. Call Lior tomorrow, one 821 5900 and if you want to know the more accurate number, severancepaycalculator.com. You'll be, uh, you'll be shocked to see what the number should actually be. You'll find out when you call Lior tomorrow as well. Till next time, the Employment Hour here on the weekend on Talk Radio, AM640.